The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, what are we hearing from the tech startup community? What financial support is available to start up and early stage businesses? And what can businesses do to maximise their chances of survival? Hello and welcome to the Mishcon Academy Digital Podcasts. I'm Lydia Kellett, an associate in the corporate department at Mishcon Dorea, and I'm delighted to be joined remotely by Andrew Wolfen, a partner in our corporate team. Andrew does a significant amount of work in the young tech startup space and also heads up our MTech programme, our legal advice and mentoring programme for early stage tech businesses. So Andrew, what are you hearing from the tech startup community? Lots of things, largely because there is such a, a wide range of businesses that make up this community. Inevitably, during a, an economic crisis, businesses that are primarily focused on funding and scaling are going to be twitchy and nervous about what this means. And as soon as COVID became apparent, it seemed likely that billions of startup investment was going to go missing. And tech startups who don't have VC funding or people ready to provide the funds they need were likely to struggle. That said, I think many of the tech unicorns today were founded during the recession of 2008 or shortly thereafter. So inevitably, there are going to be opportunities here. Uncertainty brings with it consternation, but also opportunity. So I think that there will be certainly smaller businesses to the extent they have a low center of gravity or slightly more established businesses who have some funds in the bank account already, who I suspect will be looking at this strange time and thinking that there will be a moment for them at some point in the future. 663 million of new investment was made in the first month of the UK COVID-19 lockdown from the 23rd of March to the 27th of April. But all but 50 million of that went to companies which had already secured equity finance at least once before. I'm hearing that a number of funds aren't doing any new deals at the moment, in part due to lack of a bandwidth to take on new projects as they look to shore up their investee company balance sheets. Is this what you're saying? I think that the deals that we're seeing now were struck some time ago. Yes, you're right. So it's really not possible for us to tell yet what the impact will be of the COVID crisis on the investment space. Inevitably, VC houses and other investors are likely to be triaging their existing portfolio rather than focusing on brand new investment. And companies in need of financing who don't already have investors lined up or shareholders who may be prepared to provide the funding required are probably going to struggle. Hard to tell at this stage, but I think that the pipeline is where the challenges lie. There are still deals being done, but they don't necessarily reflect the current market. So what financial support is available to start up and early stage businesses? The government have announced a number of schemes that will support startups. Although again, startups is a difficult phrase because it can apply to so many different businesses of very different sizes and financial needs. There's the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme. There are grants available from Innovate UK. There are the bounce back loans. In fact, I think 2 billion was committed within 24 hours of the bounce back loans becoming available for about 69,000 companies or so. So so they were very popular. And of course, there's the Future Fund, which was primarily the government's flagship way of supporting young businesses through investment. It's received a lot of attention and a, a fair amount of criticism, or rather disappointment, I should say, simply because of the way it's been structured as a convertible note, which means that it won't be eligible for SEIS or EIS, which are the cornerstone tax reliefs for small businesses. And because the terms are relatively aggressive, or as many people have said, VC friendly, 
That said, the government, I think, is in quite a difficult position. It can't be seen to be speculating with taxpayers' money and I guess wants to be seen to be backing the winners, although it's hard to know what that means. The other big issue about the Future Fund is the requirement for matched funding because really it means that only those businesses that have funders lined up will be able to take advantage of it. The government may say, I suspect, that the whole purpose of the Future Fund is to provide urgent runway for those businesses that are already on the way, rather than to fund startups from a standing start. Likewise, I suspect that some of the justification for the convertible notes will be that the government simply can't do any meaningful due diligence on these businesses, nor can one really place a value on them in these strange times. So the note obviates both of those issues. I think there's been a fair amount of disappointment amongst the startup community that this isn't going to help a large number of businesses. And perhaps it was never the government's intention for that to be the case. Similarly, we're all familiar with the government's furlough scheme. And for those businesses that wish to take advantage of that, it can also alleviate some of the financial pressures for them. Ultimately, each business should be looking at the government's website, which is updated on a daily basis as things change and develop, to see whether there are schemes and initiatives that they can take advantage of, because this is ultimately what they're there for. Some argue that the government co-investment will primarily benefit VC houses as they lean on the Future Fund to help tide over their existing portfolio companies. Would you agree? And would you agree that the government is looking to back the winners only? Well, of course the government's looking to back the winners only. And would that we all knew who the winners were, I suspect I'd be a lot cleverer and wealthier than I am. I think the Future Fund was a little disappointing, in truth. It's encouraging that the government had put in place this initiative, there was some pressure, as I say, uh, for them to support the startup community. But when one looks at the criteria, realistically, it's only businesses that have a meaningful track record of raising at least some capital, £250,000 is the threshold, and have VCs or other investors lined up. Uh, and we don't know, by the way, the, for the matched funding exactly um, who will qualify as a, an appropriate or accredited matched funder for the government. But on the other hand, I mean, are the government backing the winners? They, they're going to have to be seen to be something more than just speculative. This is not an attempt to bail out the startup ecosystem, as it were, but rather to provide runway for companies that desperately need it and have some traction or some track record to maximise the use of this funding. My own view is that um, the more established businesses will uh, be able to take advantage of things like the Future Fund, and it should tide them over if they're prepared to accept the terms, which are certainly a little punchy. And potentially the very small businesses who are not yet on the journey won't qualify, but may be able to batten down the hatches and just wait until the market picks a little bit. I feel like those in the middle may struggle because if you need urgent funding, but you don't have VCs lined up or other people willing to co-invest alongside the government, uh, I'm not sure the future fund is going to be of much value or benefit to you. Some say that the Future Fund specifically is just hiding companies over and actually it's not addressing the real financial difficulties of companies. What would you say to that? The mortality rate of startups is high, as we all know. And to some extent, this is about providing runway for businesses that already have some traction rather than enabling startups to get off the ground or to invest at the very, very early stages before any concept has been proven. It is nothing more, I think, than a tide over in the same way that the bounce back loans are loans. They have to be repaid. The business is going to have to find the money one day. That said, the nature of a convertible note is that 
subject to finalization of the terms, if it's going to be converted into equity at the appropriate time, then they are to some extent backing companies. It's not so much about tiding over as a proper investment. Yes, they need the VCs or other accredited investors to give them some comfort that they're backing businesses that are legitimate um, or have some chance of success. And so when thinking about the sort of cash that a business is going to take on, what are the sort of considerations that a company might have in mind when thinking about the identity of the lender or the identity of the investor? It's difficult to say because in a normal market, businesses may take a view as to exactly who they want the money from. In particular, I'm thinking that so many businesses today are purpose-driven or have objectives and goals that are not simply about um, profitability, although inevitably that's a big part of it. But in these difficult times, businesses that urgently need money may not be in the luxurious position of picking who it comes from. And I'm talking here about businesses that don't have the advantage of simply going to their existing shareholder base or friends and family and asking them to, to follow on. Similarly, when one looks even at the terms of the future fund, they are relatively aggressive, competitive, one might say. Yes, the government wants to back the winners, so I can understand why. But I do know some businesses that have felt that it's just too rich for their blood. But then those businesses have to decide, are they going to go down the loan route or are they going to batten down the hatches and wait? And I think for an increasing number of businesses, it may be that finding ways to cut costs may be a better solution than borrowing or taking on investment and waiting and seeing what the next few months bring. And so speaking about battening down the hatches, what can businesses do to maximise their chances of survival in the pandemic if they're not, say, for example, taking on third-party finance or taking on finance from the government? Well, as I think I said earlier, it's an ill wind that blows nowhere any good. And as a result, I think this crisis is going to produce opportunities for businesses that can re-engineer or re-pitch themselves to be relevant to the crisis. We're already seeing a huge amount of businesses in the online education space, remote work solutions, med tech. And there are also just very basic measures that business can do. It sounds self-evident, but aside from obvious things like cutting any unnecessary expenditure, one should also be looking at contracts and seeing whether force majeure or there are other provisions that enable businesses to at least have a discussion with the counterparties to their contracts. One can negotiate rent holidays, mortgage holidays, if not already done. I know of a number of businesses that are working in co-working spaces who have uh, sought to renegotiate. We're in strange times now, and there is a certain collegiality. I think that each business wants to support other businesses while recognising that they themselves are having to deal with this crisis as well. But I do think that smaller startups and early stage businesses may be well placed simply because they don't have huge numbers of staff where they have to deal with whether it's redundancies or uh, furlough. They don't have huge real estate, so they're not dealing with uh, difficult conversations with landlords. So likewise, they may not be reliant on supply chains or distribution arrangements. This is the time to focus on internal work. So if there is R&D that can be done from a desktop, if there are strategic objectives that can be worked on, all of the things that I think in the... (laughs) in the busy times are very hard for businesses to focus on. This is the time to focus on them. As you say, whether it's battening down the hatches or keeping costs to an absolute minimum. The other thing I think the businesses could do is look to incentivize talent through equity rather than salary or other remuneration. I mean, there's probably never been a better labor market 
uh, for getting people to work for Sweat right now. And if you can do that and keep your existing relationships happy, so speak to your customers, speak to your suppliers, make sure that they understand that you're still there and that you're doing everything you can. And I think for those businesses, there will be better times ahead. So Andrew, what now for the startup and early stage tech community? Right now, I think this is the time for businesses to try and sit tight. And I know that's a very difficult thing to say if you're in need of urgent funding. But to some extent, where businesses are able to cut costs rather than look at doing anything with new money, uh, that's probably the right move, at least in the short term. Uh, I appreciate for a lot of businesses, that if that's not possible, there are government initiatives, as we've mentioned, that would enable them to get funding. But it is, I think, as you say, to some extent, tiding them over. As I mentioned, the mortality rate of startups is high. So anything one can do to maximise chance of survival should be done. A lot of it is going to be focusing on the internal workings of the business rather than anything external. But as I said, maintaining relationships is so important and focusing on what the business is seeking to achieve. Anything that can be done from a desktop or working collaboratively internally rather than looking at the business's external focus is likely to be more sensible, at least in the short term. The government funding, whether it's loans or the future fund, is not a disaster. It's that it's only going to be applicable for certain businesses. But absolutely, businesses should be checking the government website, not least because the terms and details of these schemes keeps changing, to see whether or not they are schemes that they can take advantage of. I do think it's a good time psychologically too for purpose-driven businesses. And there will be, on the other side of this crisis, whenever that is, I think a big upturn in investment, inevitably, people will be coming out ready to play again. And those businesses that can simply keep their head above water and wait for the tide to turn, I I think will do very well, particularly in the early stage tech space. Well, for now, let's wrap up there. I'd like to say thanks so much, Andrew Wolfin, for joining me for this Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Lydia Kellett, and in the next episode, my colleagues Victoria Pickett and Katie Colton will be talking about how businesses are adapting their usual practices to contribute to the COVID-19 effort, and what the resulting long-term benefit of putting purpose before profit is. The Digital Sessions are a new series of online events, videos and podcasts, all available at mishcon.com. And if you have any questions you'd like to be answered, or suggestions of what you'd like us to cover, please do let us know at coronavirus at mishcon.com. Until next time, take care. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.